This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's time to get a little wild. Come on. (laughs) So we're excited tonight to be kicking off this new series called Church in the Wild. I've been looking forward to this since January. And we're going to be diving into what it means as the church, as the body of Christ in the earth today, not yesterday, not in 2021, not in 2020, but today in 2022. We're going to be diving into what it means to be the church out in the world, the church in the wild. Say, let's time to get a little bit wild. Almost convinced me. For the past few years, there's been a lot of discussion, and maybe some of you have been part of some of these talks, but there's been a lot of discussion about what it means to be the church. And a lot of people, a lot of loud voices have made it known what they believe the purpose of the church is. And throughout this series, we're going to look at different ways that God has called us, that's you and me, his courageous ones, courageous church, to be the church in the wild, the church in the world today. We're going to talk about how we can release God's love in the world. How many of you guys know that there's people that need God's love? We're going to talk about how we can maximize our spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about how we can reignite our passions. We're going to talk about how we can punch fear in the face. Come on, some of you guys need permission to punch fear in the face. And then we're going to renew our commitment to be all that God's calling us to be in the world today. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Jude. Today, I want to talk to you about how we are going to release God's love. Say, release God's love. And the title of my message is this, Unleash Your Roar. Unleash Your Roar. Beginning in Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in the whole book of Jude, which is great. So beginning in Jude 1, verses 17 through 21, here's what it says. But dear friends... Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up, say building yourselves up. By building yourselves up, in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Here it is, verse 21. Keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Isn't it interesting that in the end days, God's focus for his people is not that we would get, come on, super opinionated, not that we would become divisive, not that we would go out and try to do our own thing, but that we would keep ourselves in God's love, that we would stay occupied with and centered in and anchored in and rooted in the love of God. So to begin, I want to ask this question today. How do we as the church in the wild, the church in the world today, remain faithful to do this, to remain faithful to what God wants and has for us as his people? Here's the answer. Are you ready for it? By keeping yourself in God's love. By keeping yourself in God's love. So we're going to talk about how we can do that, how we're supposed to do that. Over the past couple of years, I've noticed a lot of people who've gotten kind of sucked into sparring with other believers, who've got kind of pulled into foolish arguments and quarrels. I've seen good marriages fall apart. I've seen 
people's lives destroyed. I've seen people drift in this direction and drift in that direction. I've seen people turn their back on those that Jesus came to seek and to save. Come on, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And I've seen them do this all because they didn't keep themselves in God's love. So tonight we're going to talk about how we can keep ourselves in God's love, or what I'm calling tonight the furious love of God. The furious, all-consuming love of God. Here's what John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says. Maybe you guys have heard this verse before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, you might want to underline that, we're going to come back to that, but that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting Everlasting or eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Why did God send Jesus to us, church? It's real simple. Because he loved the world. And we see it right here. It was never his intention or desire that anybody should perish, but that all would have eternal, everlasting life. That means the life that goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's never ending. It's eternal. For God so loved the world that he gave. So out of the generosity of his own heart, today we had our Be Courageous class, and we talked about the fact that God is generous, so generous that he gives. He's a giver, and he gives his only son, his most precious heir, come on, his own family, so that we could have eternal, everlasting life. And he did it because he loves us. How many are thankful that you're loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Thankful for the love of God. So I want to ask this question, what's the remedy for hurting people. It's love. What is the purpose for which we exist as a church? It's love. What did Jesus actually present to his disciples as the way or the means through which they would be recognized as being Christ's disciples? It's love. Here it is right here. John chapter 13, verse 35. Let's put it up there. By this, everyone will know Everyone will know without a shadow of a doubt, there will be no uncertainty that you are my disciples if, here's the condition, you love one another. If you love one another. Jesus knows, and rightfully so, that love is meant to be loud. It's meant to be loud. It's meant to be felt. It's meant to be heard. It's meant to be known. Love is like the roar of a mighty lion. Tonight, that's what I'm comparing love to. God's furious love is like the roar of a mighty lion. Anybody hear the roar of a mighty lion? I love to go on Instagram and just watch some of the safari videos. You guys ever do that? Or go on YouTube and watch people that go out on these safaris? Some of them maybe not so smart, right? With their windows down and lions come jumping out of nowhere. But have you ever just listened to the way a lion interacts with his environment? Just letting people know that he's there, right? That's why they call him the king of the jungle. And it's cool. I mean, I like watching the videos where the lion's fighting the alligator. You guys see that one? That one just shows up on my Instagram feed like every day. I don't know what the deal is, but I like that one. 
Or I like the one where he's got the zebra pinned, you know? He's just going to town. Some of you are like, no, not the zebra. Not the zebra. They're so nice and kind. <laughs> I love watching safari videos in Africa, but it has me thinking a lot about this idea that our love is meant to be like the, the roar of a mighty lion. It's meant to be felt and heard and known. This is how we see lions interact with others in their environment. They let people know who they are by their roar. And I believe in the same way the church of God, the church of Christ in the world today needs to let its roar out again. And I'm not talking about politically, I'm talking about its love. I'm talking about the kind of impact that people will go, wow, you must be a disciple of Jesus because of your love. I want to talk to us today about two major ways that I think we can do this, or two major ways that we can unleash our roar. Say it with me, unleash our roar. It's time to unleash our roar. And so beginning with number one today, you can unleash your roar by loving others the way that Jesus loves you. By loving others the way that Jesus loves you. So this sort of begs the question, how does Jesus love me? Right? How does Jesus love you? Well, let's get into it. Here are a couple ways that I believe Jesus actually and specifically and personally loves you. Number one, he loves you sacrificially. He loves you sacrificially. He gives his life for his church. He gives his life for his beloved. He lays down his life for his friends. Isn't that what John 13 verse 15 says? Let's put it up there. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life, that someone sacrifice his life for his friends. So Jesus loves us sacrificially. And we see the ultimate demonstration and picture of that on the cross. That's what we were celebrating last week, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus loves us sacrificially, but also he loves us relentlessly. Say it with me, relentlessly. This means that he is a pursuer of our hearts. Luke 19, verse 10, we looked at this last week, but it says this, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek to pursue, to go after the lost. Why does he do that? Because his love is relentless, because he's a pursuer. He's a relentless pursuer of our heart. Number three, Jesus loves us uniquely. There's nobody else like you, and there's nobody else like Jesus that loves you the way that Jesus loves you. Jesus doesn't love you the same way he loves me. He loves you uniquely. He loves you specifically. He loves you intentionally. He loves you on purpose, not accidentally. Come on, none of this accidentally in love business. He didn't trip and fall into love with you. Come on. He made a conscientious decision to love you, and he does so uniquely. How do I know this? We see it in Acts chapter 15, verse 8. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. God is a discerner of what's in the heart, meaning he knows the unique condition of your heart and of mine. And because of that, he knows how to speak your native heart language. He knows how to speak your love language. Who was here a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Candace talked about the five love languages, right? We had our, our message about honoring your spouse. And she talked about how she's had to learn how to speak my heart language, my love language. And I, as her husband, have worked really hard to try to learn her 
heart language, her love language. How many of you guys know that we are born into a world where we don't know how to natively speak the love languages of others? But God is the discerner of what's in the heart. He knows your heart uniquely, intimately. Come on, even while you were in your mother's womb, he knit you together. He fashioned you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the way that you tick and he knows what ticks you off. He knows what gets you up in the morning and he knows why you go to bed early. He's a discerner of the heart. He knows you and he loves you uniquely. He loves you uniquely. I love the fact that God loves me specifically. And I also want to say this, and this isn't in my notes, but God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He likes you. Some of you are like, I got to love him, but I don't know if I like him so much, right? God not only loves you, he likes you. He knows you. He loves you uniquely. So if this is how Jesus loves us, guess what? This is how we're called to love others. How does Jesus want us to love others? Well, we see it right here in John 15, verse 12. I like the way the NLT says it. Jesus says this to his followers. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. How does Jesus love us? Sacrificially, relentlessly, uniquely. Sacrificially, relentlessly, uniquely. That's how we are supposed to love one another. Is it treat others the way they treat you? Not in the kingdom. Come on, it's treat others better than the way you've been treated. Because Jesus treated you better than you deserved. There was a time where you didn't deserve grace and love and mercy, and yet he poured it out without condition, without excuse. He loved you uniquely. He loved you sacrificially. He loved you relentlessly, and he tells us to do the same. So let me ask you, how you doing in this department, church? All right, pastoral checkup time. How you doing? Do you just love those that are easy to love? Come on, we're all guilty of that, right? But how about those that are a little more difficult to love? Usually it's your family. <laughs> so let's start there. How you doing in loving your family? Some of you are like, ah, my family drives me nuts. My mom drives me crazy. My dad drives me crazy, right? How you doing in the way that you're loving your family. How about those that you work with? How you doing in loving those that you work with at Honeysuckle, you guys? How you doing in, in loving your fellow officers in Sandy Police Department, Aaron? How you doing? How you doing with your coworkers? How about those that drive you nuts, that drive you crazy? What about your enemies? What about those that just have it out for you? How you doing in loving them? Doesn't Jesus raise the bar? What does he say? Bless those. Pray for those. Love those that persecute you. Jesus basically says there's no person that's off limits for love. And you know why this is good news? Because many of us, for all intents and purposes, probably were at some point in our journey, somebody that probably didn't deserve a whole lot of love. And aren't you thankful that God loved you relentlessly? that he loved you sacrificially, that he loved you on purpose. So in the same way, we are called as the church in the wild to unleash our roar by loving others. I believe it's time for the church to get back to this. This might be like the most basic, simple sermon you've ever heard Pastor Jason preach, but I actually believe it's one of the most necessary right now in the culture we're living in. Because what we're supposed to be known for is our love. By this will others know that you are my followers and disciples. If you love one another, if you love one another.
So number one, we do it by loving each other. And number two today, this is how we unleash our roar, by forgiving others the way that Jesus forgives us. How does Jesus forgive us? Have you ever stopped recently just to consider the manner in which Jesus not just forgives the world. I think sometimes we see the macro and we're overwhelmed and we're like, whoa, that's crazy. How could he love six to seven billion people on a planet? But what about you? When was the last time you just stopped and considered how Jesus actually loved and forgave you? Specifically, have you ever just taken inventory of the ways in which Jesus forgives you? Well, I'm going to help you tonight. Here it is. Number one, Jesus forgives you. Next slide. Next slide. Absolutely. 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 Meaning he keeps no record of wrongs. Listen to the definition of love that we are given by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. Verse 4 says this, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Jesus forgives you absolutely and keeps no record of your wrongs. Some of you were conditioned religiously by the environment that you grew up in to think that God's got this checklist of all your wrongs and every time that you mess up, he's just ready to strike you down with a lightning bolt. Can I tell you that looks more like Zeus than it does the God of heaven. That is not the God we serve. He keeps no record of wrongs. When Jesus went to the cross, he did so absolutely to deal with your sin once and for all. If we could get a revelation of this, you guys, it would set us free from living under the weight of shame, guilt, and condemnation. Some of you walk in condemnation because you don't know that Christ has already forgiven you absolutely, meaning that he no longer keeps a record of your wrongs. He's not out there with a clipboard. He's not out there just waiting to see, ah, can't wait to write this guy up. Some of you work for bosses like that, but that's not Jesus. That's not the father. He takes your sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west. He casts it out into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be seen or heard of again. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. So we've got a little visitor tonight. Her name is Zerly, and she's just having her way tonight, but I have to recognize her. So I'm thankful that this is the way that Jesus loves us. He keeps no record of wrongs. So let me ask you the question, do you keep records of wrongs? How many of you would say, Pastor Jason, I really struggle in this area. I, I hold grudges or I get resentful. I know nobody wants to raise their hand on this one. But consider the love of the Lord that keeps no record of wrongs. Number two, Jesus also not only forgives us absolutely, he forgives us continually, meaning he does so without end. When asked by one of his disciples this question, how many times should I forgive somebody, Jesus? Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Seven? Like, should I give him seven chances? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven, but 77. Now, Jesus is not being literal here. Okay, for, so for some of you are like, all right, good, I'm on 76. Tomorrow's 77, and then I'm done. That's not what he's doing. 
This is a symbolic picture. 77 numbers in the Bible are important, and Jesus is making a hyperbolic statement about the manner in which we should forgive. And he's basically saying this, to keep forgiving, to go on forgiving without end, to do so continually, 77 times. It's not meant to be taken literal, but rather symbolically. It's the never-ending way that Christ calls us to live and to lead lives of forgiveness. Are you with me tonight? So he calls us to do so continually. And then, of course, unconditionally, Jesus forgives us without condition or without excuse. John 3.16 again, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that whoever, whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him, whoever means that God will take anybody anywhere at any time. Anybody, anywhere, at any time. All throughout the Gospels, we see evidence of Jesus responding to people and loving people and forgiving people and releasing people into their destiny by setting them free in forgiveness. You guys remember the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8? Sometimes there's a little bit of a footnote added to the scriptures because this came later, but I love the story. It's one of my favorite stories. I wrote a song about it a long time ago called Grace. You can find it on my second album on Spotify. Shameless plug, I know. I love this story so much. And some of you need permission to have your hearts recalibrated and recentered in grace in the love and forgiveness of God. Some of you have heard the stories about God's grace and have heard the stories about God's forgiveness, but you've never experienced it personally, and I want to give you permission to do so. Let's look at this story together. John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. Here it is. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, this was the woman who was caught in her act of adultery, and he says to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Is not one still hanging around? No, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He releases her into a life of freedom by not holding accusation against her, by forgiving her continually and unconditionally and absolutely. I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of Jesus. And I think some of us who've been following Jesus for a while, we get a little bit further out in our walk and sometimes we need to come back to the cross and we need to come back to forgiveness and we need to come back to grace and we need to come back to mercy and we need to come back to love. We need to get back to the basics, you guys, because it was never meant to be complicated. It was never meant to be complicated. Man makes things complicated. Religion makes things complicated. Following Jesus was never meant to be complicated. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard to forgive people. It's hard to forgive those that have wronged you. It's hard to do that 77 times. Come on, somebody. It's hard. It's difficult to love people that don't look like us, act like us, think like us, believe like us. But this is the call. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what Jesus came to model. Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord praise tonight. So how does Jesus want us to forgive others? Well, it's real simple. Ephesians 4, chapter 32 makes it real clear. Be kind to each other. How many of you guys know kindness goes a long way? I saw this sign the other day outside of this coffee shop. It said, be kind, we're short-staffed. It's sad to me that we have to be told that on a sign, that businesses and coffee shops and, come on, restaurants should have to remind us to be kind to people. It was my daughter's birthday yesterday. She turned 14. Woo-woo. I said, you can come sing with me now, baby. Come on. 
Let's get that gift in motion. Come on. And uh, we went to Taqueria 27 for some Mexican. You guys ever been there before? So good, right? They've got one in Holiday. They've got one in Salt Lake. They've got one at Fashion Place Mall. So we went down to the mall, do a little shopping, let her pick out some clothes because that's what you do when you're a 14-year-old girl. You go and you get new jeans and a nice new belt. And uh, we went to Taqueria 27 and, and the host greeted us, was like, I'm so sorry. We only have like one server today. It's going to be 20 minutes. And we're like, that's cool. No problem. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. We only have one server. It's only going to be like 20 minutes. I said, I heard you. It's, it's fine. He's like, are you sure? You all right? Like, what place have we gotten to where people are afraid to tell people we don't have help? Be kind. Come on, church. We need to lead the way in kindness. Some of you get too grumpy with your servers. You start yelling at them and arguing and treating people unkind. Where's my coffee? It's been three minutes. I want it now. Come on. Be kind to one another. And in case you didn't get the first one, tenderhearted. Have a tender heart to what's going on around you. And here's the point. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. What's the manner in which we're called to forgive others? The same way that Christ forgave us. Here it is at the bottom. Absolutely, continually, unconditionally. Absolutely, continually, unconditionally. Seven times Jesus? No, absolutely, continually, unconditionally. Even that guy who really drives me crazy, crazy Jesus? Yes, absolutely, continually, unconditionally. Even that weird uncle that we never like to see at Thanksgiving? Yes, absolutely, continually, and unconditionally. Even my ex-wife or my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? Yes, absolutely, continually. You guys get the point tonight? You get it? All right. Just making sure. So how are you doing in this department? Do you find it easy to forgive people? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> I like that, working on it. How about yourself? Do you forgive yourself easily? Some of you get tripped up loving and forgiving others because you haven't first loved and forgiven yourself. And that's what we're called to do, to love people as we love ourselves, right? As we forgive ourselves. You can't release forgiveness if you haven't forgiven. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick, right? You guys have heard that one before? It's like being in prison and talking to people about freedom. <laughs> I know this God who sets you free. <laughs> really tell me about him. Well, I, I'm still trying to get over my unforgiveness problem, but yeah, let me take you to church with me. Come on. Got real quiet up in this Presbyterian church. I said that the other day. Who was I talking with? <laughs> Dan. He goes, are you guys Presbyterian? I said, no, no, I was, I was joking. I was, making a, I was making a joke. Nothing against Presbyterians, but. We got to learn sometimes how to forgive ourselves. And, and for some of you, you're your own worst enemy. You know how I know this? Because that's me. You guys, I'm hard on myself. Anybody else feel me on that? Any other perfectionists in recovery? Yeah, some of you. This is where God wants to help us, church, to keep ourselves in his love. And I believe this is how we're going to unleash our roar, by loving others the way that Christ loves us, by, by forgiving others the way that Christ forgives us, by becoming a courageous people who know who they are in Christ Jesus, who are well-loved, come on, well-forgiven, well-rooted in this reality, and willing to go out into the world, to go out into the wild, and to make much of our King Jesus and his love for them. Church, it's time to let the lions out of their cages again. It's time for our love to get loud. It's time to crucify our appetite for indifference. It's time to get off the sidelines of our faith. It's time to get a little bit wild again because it's time to unleash your roar. Who's with me tonight?
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.